with that said, I want to take a look at Philippians chapter 2. Um, and uh, if you're if you're visiting with us, and we've got a couple folks that are visiting with us um, because we're we're uh, we're one of the only churches in town open. Um, but uh, I guess this is open technically, being outside. Um, but uh, we want to invite you to we're we're if you're visiting with us, we're in the middle of a series from the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul writing to a church in uh, Macedonia, um, a Greek-speaking region of the Roman Empire. And uh, we have been here for about two months. And this week we're in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 19. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to read the, the scriptures that we're going to be looking at. Um, and we're going to be looking at chapter 2, verse 19 to the end. And then I'm going to I'm going to open up since this is the first time in months that we've actually had the majority of our congregation here. Um, previously, we had been before the, the shutdown. Uh, we had been inviting the congregation to pray over our time of scripture rather than me, uh, the pastor praying, um, but rather uh, the congregation praying. And so after we read the scriptures, if there's there's one or two uh, who would like to pray and just just raise your voice and, and pray over our, our time, thanking the Lord for our, our worship and music, uh, our opportunity to gather and then seeking his blessing as we look to his word. Uh, I encourage you to do that. So uh, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 19, the Apostle Paul says this, um, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all, uh, everybody else, seeks after their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father he has served me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So we join in prayer. If there's one or two that would like to lead us in prayer, uh, just just raise your voice so so that you can be heard. Lord, we thank you for this glorious day you've given us when we can gather as your people. Uh, as we can fellowship here, Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to your words that we might know you. Father, thank you for the firm foundation you've given us in your word. Thank you that no matter what turmoil is going on around us, what uncertainty we're dealing with in society, at home, that we can trust that your word is going to be true and to guide us. Thank you for the time and worship we've had already. And uh, we pray that Father, as we continue to read and consider your word, 
So two people, we want to talk about two people that Paul has a relationship with, uh, Timothy and Epaphroditus. Um, now, honestly, if I were to choose which name I would want, it would be Tiffany, uh, Timothy. Um, I'm not sure even how you would abbreviate Epaphroditus, um, you know, uh, but, um, but these are two men that Paul is going to send to the church of Philippi. And Timothy is very familiar with this church. Uh, Paul had picked up Timothy um, as an, kind of an apprentice apostle, more or less, um, right before he went to Philippi in Acts chapter 16. Um, and Timothy is a unique person uh, because his mother is a Jew, but his father was a Greek. Um, and, and so he was raised, he wasn't circumcised or anything like that, but we know that his mother and his grandmother taught him the scriptures from the time he was a child. Um, so we're not entirely sure what, who his dad was or what he did, um, but it's reasonable to assume that Timothy, like Paul and Silas, uh, was a Jew who had Roman citizenship. Um, and that was important for them as they were traveling through Greece, because if you read the book of Acts, they are always getting thrown in jail, being run out of town. Um, and Roman citizenship, while it wasn't like a get-out-of-jail-free card, um, it communicated to people that, that you were not just an average citizen. You couldn't just be manhandled. You, ha you had to handle things according to Roman law. And Philippi was a Roman colony, which meant it was a place that was under Roman law. So individual cities and regions in the Roman Empire, especially in this early period, um, that what's called the, the early principate, um, Different cities, free cities, uh, free uh, client kingdoms, they had their own set of laws. But Roman colonies, they operated under Roman law. Now that meant a lot of things, but the biggest thing it meant was you, you couldn't just, the local authorities couldn't just haul off and kill somebody. It had to be handled by a Roman representative. Um, there, so the city council of, of Philippi was composed of former soldiers, Roman soldiers, um, and that's going to play and come in place when we talk about Epaphroditus. But um, Timothy was a Roman citizen. He not only was a Roman citizen, but as he journeyed with Paul, he seemed to have been a guy that people liked. Um, Paul kind of gives off this vibe that not everybody was super keen on his personality. The message of the gospel, yes, they were they were all in on what he had to say. Um, but Paul comes off as somewhat of a comes off as somewhat of a caustic person. Um, at times he he um, he he says things, and I, and I love when he says stuff like he says stuff like I'm I'm restraining myself. I'm trying not to say what I really think, and then he delivers some like lambasting statement. So um, you know it's like what was he really thinking? Um, but uh, and at one point, I mean, he tells the Corinthian church, "Don't make me come back there." Um, and so Paul, Paul tends to be, he's a little bit of a, um, what we might call an ideologue. He is all um, gospel up front. And if you don't like it, that's tough. That's, that's how Paul is. This is what I got from Christ. If you don't like it, there's the highway. Head on down. Um, this is his attitude. Timothy, however, maybe it's because he's younger. Um, at one point later on in his life, Paul has to actually tell Timothy, remember, just because you're younger than people doesn't mean you can be pushed around. Timothy seems to be more of a peacemaker. He seems to be more of a, uh, a calming influence. I think he brings a tremendous influence to Paul. 
um, because Paul needs that influence in his life. Um, Paul is all, all or nothing, full speed ahead. Timothy is a little bit more uh, relaxed. He's a little bit more um, uh, thoughtful. Uh, uh, he, when Paul writes his letters to him, Timothy seems to have written Paul some questions, some really, really good questions that Paul answers. And so he's kind of a, making Paul think through things. And when Paul gets run out of town, which happens quite a bit, um, Timothy somehow gets to stay. Uh, this happens in the book of Acts. Um, Paul keeps sending Timothy to Macedonia. He does it at least twice. Um, Paul gets run out of Thessaloniki. Timothy gets to stay behind. Paul goes down to Athens, causes trouble there. Then he goes to Corinth, causes trouble there. And then Timothy finally catches up with him. Um, you know, And Timothy's like, I wonder what Paul is doing. And when they show up in town, oh, this is what Paul has been doing. He's been preaching from the Areopagus. He's been telling people about the resurrection. He's been, um, in Corinth, a particular favorite is he runs into a bunch of disciples of a guy named Apollos, and Paul just converts them out from underneath them. Um, and Apollos later uh, later comes to Christ as well. But uh, he, Paul is just full speed ahead. Timothy's a little bit more thoughtful. And you know what? Paul has a tendency, whether it's his, um, his message um, or it's just his personality, Paul has a tendency to alienate people. Um, and so when he talks about Timothy... He's talking about Timothy adhering to the gospel, of course, um, but there's also this sense that Timothy is the only one that will put up with Paul. Um, that he is so committed, and this is this is an interesting character study, but Timothy is so committed to the message of the gospel and his role and his purpose, serving as Paul's kind of apprentice and eventually as his peer, he's so committed to it, that who Paul is is less important than what Paul stands for. And he stands with Paul, even though I have to imagine that some nights Timothy went to bed going, I can't believe he did that. Um, you know, But he is staying true, and he stays true with Paul all the way to the end. And look at how Paul describes him in verse 22. He says, you know Timothy's proven worth. You know who this guy is. You know what he stands for. You know what he believes. You know that he is rock solid. You know that if he says something, it is the same thing as I would be saying. Uh, Paul actually calls Timothy, several times he calls Timothy, my son in the faith. Now that kind of tells us probably how old Paul is. Probably Paul is probably um, in his 40s or his, his 50s, and Timothy is a young man. And so he views him as his son. But that was also an adoption language. It was saying, Timothy speaks for me. Um, just as the Son of God spoke for the Father, the Son of Paul speaks for Paul. He's, he's really placing a lot of trust in Timothy. He says, if Timothy comes to minister with you, if he arrives, then you listen to him like you would listen to me. And Paul places a tremendous amount of trust in this young man. Um, and Timothy serves for us as the template of a, a servant leader. Uh, now, when I was serving as an assistant pastor many years ago in a church that I had a lot of issues with, um, I, I picked up a book called The Apprentice Shepherd, I believe it was called. Um, it might have been called The Apprentice Leader, now that I think about it. Um, but I read it as Apprentice Shepherd. Um, and so, you know how it is. You're, you're 
your what you think it says and then what it actually says are often two different things. But um, but I read it as being an apprentice shepherd. And I picked that book up because I was having some real difficulty personality-wise with the pastor I was serving with. Um, and I wasn't sure that uh, we were going to survive another meeting without one of us going to jail. And um, you know, and it was it was. It was difficult. It was a hard road. There were things we disagreed on. There were things that he did that really got under my skin. And what happened was, uh, I think that people could see there was a little bit of tension between the two of us. Um, and at one point, I started to have people who were somewhat disgruntled members of the church uh, coming to me and very subtly trying to suggest that I, I either nudge the pastor in a certain direction or just go ahead and do this thing because they they figured well Eric Eric is cool with this and we're not talking about major things we're not you know I'm not talking like the pastor was a flat earther or, or anything like that um, it was just methodological stuff it was ideological stuff it was you know things like that um, the church had a lot of weird rules and um, I remember coming home from that and saying. Um, I have to make a choice. I have to either choose to honor a guy that I don't necessarily agree with, but who isn't really violating anything biblical, and stand with him, or I can be the troublemaker that my dad always despised in his church. And I this book came into my life at this right time, and I don't remember a whole lot about the book, um, but I remember over and over and over again the message of the book saying, when you're an apprentice leader, when you're a servant leader, you don't stand on your reputation, you stand on the reputation of the person you are serving. And right or wrong, you represent them until you can't represent them again, and then you move as far away as you possibly can. I remember that distinct line. I only moved about 20 miles away, but um, we served in that church and honored the ministry of that church for as long as we possibly could until we finally reached a point where we said, okay, we can't do this anymore, and then we were going to start a church. Tom and Becky moved up with only two kids, to help us start a church, it was a long time ago, um, and uh, they we they moved up to help us start a church, and and then through a series of just the hand of God, God led us to Heritage Baptist Church, where I became the pastor. There was a smooth transition with the other church, and we didn't really have any issues um, in the transition. Now later on there were problems, but uh, but but. At that time, it was just a very smooth, this is what God wants Eric and Nicole to do. And we just, the transition just happened. And and, and, it, and I think that at least part of that was because I chose to honor the leader I was serving. Um, because I drew, I, I really drew the example from Timothy, who features very prominently in this book. This idea that being an apprentice leader is as important as being a leader. And, and if you can't serve, then how can you lead? If you can't stand with someone you love, how can you expect others to stand with you? And, and it was just an, a, 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 an important personal journey for me. And Timothy serves as an example 
of a, of a man who had uh, clearly had disagreements with Paul. He clearly had issues, but served faithfully all the way to the end. And I don't want to get too much into that detail, but Timothy's a worth, worthwhile character study. If you're ever wondering, how can I play second fiddle to somebody? Timothy is the, the person to look to um, and, and to see the role that he serves. But then there's this other guy, um, Epaphroditus. And Paul calls him in verse 25, Paul calls him, my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. Now we find out later that Epaphroditus has been sick, that he almost died. Um, so he traveled to Rome. Um, it appears he traveled to Rome to bring a financial gift to take care of Paul. Um, uh, because Paul was under house arrest, he wasn't able to um, make a living. It's, it's interesting what Paul did for a living. Um, he's, uh, if you know anything about Paul, he's called a tent maker in the Bible. It says that he, he was a, a tent maker. Um, he, has, he, has, uh, he has acquaintances who are also tent makers. Now, we tend to think of that. You think about that and you go, okay, so he made tents for a living. Um, interesting job for somebody who lives in cities, right? Well, I want you to think about who uses tents in the Roman Empire. Soldiers. Um, Roman camps use tents. Most Romans live in cities. Right? They don't. They, most of the Roman citizens, they live in cities. So if you're a Roman citizen and you're a tent maker, Paul is probably comes from a family of military contractors, um, and so he makes tents for military. That's what he does. Um, and uh, so basically, he's a part of the Department of Defense. He's a contractor, and uh, when he's under house arrest, he can't make a living. He's, he's waiting for a hearing from the emperor, so he can't make a living. He can't provide for himself. And apparently the Philippians, who are a Roman colony, and that means most of them are former military, the, the city is run by veterans, they know Paul's plight. And so they send this guy, Epaphroditus, with funds to take care of Paul. They say, well, he can't make a living for himself if he's trapped in Rome, so let's, let's send something for him. Now, they have always done this with Paul. They've always given him what they could. They've always taken care of him. We find that out later on in the book of Philippians. He's, he, they, they always send in gifts to him, trying to take care of him. And Epaphroditus comes with this, and the fact that Paul chooses to describe him as my fellow soldier probably tells me a little <laughs> bit about who Epaphroditus is. He's probably an older Roman soldier, a retired man. And, um, and so Epaphroditus, if Timothy is our example for the young apprentice leader, Epaphroditus is the example of a retired Christian who's still serving, who's still involved. See, we get these two extremes. We get, we get the young man and we get the old man. A man who probably shouldn't have made the journey to Rome because when he gets there, he's so sick, he's almost going to die. He has, he has been on the on the road, and he's been in a boat, and he's been up the, the river, and he gets there, and he seems to be so, so sick, and yet he doesn't want the Philippians to know he's sick, because he gets all worked up when they find out that he's sick. And you just picture Epaphroditus, right? He's that guy who's laying in bed, and somebody comes from the Philippians, somebody, messenger comes and says, oh, we heard that you're sick. No, no, I'm not sick. I can, I can do it. I can, you know. And he really is 
too sick to move, and, and Paul is praying over him, and Paul is grieving for him that he might die. And the scriptures say, but God had mercy on him. So here's a man who is a brother and a soldier, and a, he's a messenger, he's a minister, and he, he risked his life to take care of Paul. Now, now honestly, probably, and, and this is speculation, so don't take this to the bank, I wouldn't die on this hill, um, but honestly, probably, they sent Epaphroditus because he had some kind of relationship with someone in Rome that they knew the money was actually going to get to Paul. Because um, if you know anything about Roman trade, you know that there were all kinds of taxes people could pay, um, that by the time you got to somewhere, you had a, you know, a quarter of what you started with. And so probably this guy had some kind of dignitas, gravitas, um, and he, he was able to go to Rome and bring this to Paul to get through the Praetorian guards that were protecting Paul's house and all those things and bring him this gift. And he gets there, and then Paul has to take care of him. Now, fortunately for Paul, Paul has a doctor who lives with him. Um, Luke is a doctor, and he's with Paul at this point. And so Luke is probably taking care of him. Um, Luke is probably, if he's anything like any other doctor, he's looking at Epaphroditus going, now why did you take this trip? Should you have seen a doctor before you did this? Are you sure this was the right thing for you to do at your age? Kind of a, you know, kind of a situation. But, but he recovers, and now he's going to go back. Now, what's great, I think, about this um, is that you have two examples of men on opposite ends of their life and their ministry, but both of them are men you send to do a job. Timothy can be a representative of Paul. Epaphroditus can be a supporter of Paul. Both of them are willing to take risky journeys to be involved in the work of the gospel. And so Paul says at the end, in verse 29, he says, honor such men. Now he's talking about Epaphroditus, but I think he's also talking about Timothy. The men who are willing to commit to the gospel, and let me revise that and say, the men and women who are willing to commit to the gospel are worthy of honor. So often, what people think of as the ministry of the church, so often what people think of as the work of the church um, are the, the showy things, the big things, the Paul things. And we should honor those people. And, I, and Paul talks about making sure you don't muzzle the ox that treads the grain and providing for them. But the honor of the church, the honor of the church belongs to the men and women who do the work of the gospel, who take the chances and are willing to serve. Um, one of the things that's always troubled me about so much of the modern church is that we heap on honor on people who have no direct influence on us, who have no direct ministry to us. And I mean the modern church with a capital C. Who are the most popular Christians in the Christian world? Almost always they are not the local church pastors who are ministering to the needs of people every day, but the big showy speakers. Now, God has a place for that. And they're the big showy musicians, and God has a place for that. But are they the ones who are worthy of the honor of the church, or are the servant leaders and the sacrificing elders, and I don't mean elders as in the board of the elders, but like Epaphroditus, those, those servants who thanklessly work and put their lives at, at risk, 
shouldn't they be the ones that we heap honor, the honor of Christ upon? And when we worship celebrities in Christianity, then everybody looks at that celebrity and says, is envious of their place. But as the church, we're not called to celebrity. We're called to service and sacrifice and devotion to the cause of Christ. Um, I joke around with people that I bought ericdevitro.com so that it could never be used. Um, I just, I, I, every time I see a church ministry drive by and it's got a, the web address is the name of the pastor, I get really nervous. Um, I'm like, I'm not a brand. I get, I feel the same way whenever somebody introduces themselves as if pastor is their first name, you know, or I'm the reverend. I've always wanted to be the irreverent nurse, right? the reverend doctor. I want to be the irreverent nurse. Um, where do we pile honor in the gospel? And you know what? We, we very rarely see all of the work that is done by the Timothys and the Epaphroditus of the world. I think that's why Paul makes such a big deal about them, so that everybody will know who it is that's really doing the work, who it is that's doing all the legwork, running back and forth between Rome and Philippi. And I would encourage you uh, this week, um, and, and it's, it's awesome. I, I love when people come up and tell tell us, you know, um, they were thinking about Nicole and I, Ariel and I. Um, I'd also encourage you to add to your prayer list and add to your list of thank you, God, for this person. All those who do all those little things that make Bedford Road happen. All the Timothys and Epaphroditus's who set up tents and mow the lawn and, um, and empty trash cans when they'd rather be with their grandbaby, right, Sean? Um, all those who, who selflessly devote themselves to things that we, we never see. Um, you know, we, we, we could not function as a church without Timothys and Epaphroditus's. Because it's, it's you know... It's great, you know, Paul, and he's awesome and writes all these epistles and everything, but Paul would have just been a cranky recluse if it weren't for guys like Timothy and Epaphroditus who did the running for him. Uh, he wrote all these letters. How do you think all the letters got to the churches? Timothy's and Epaphroditus's and people like them who did the job and did the work. So, as we're... we got a squirrel joining us in the back. Um, so as you go to this week, I want to encourage you this week. Take some time in your prayers this week. Take your time in your heart this week and devote it to honoring those um, who you don't see. And maybe asking the question, who does that? How does that get done? Where, where, how is that accomplished? You know, um, because there are so many things that happen behind the scenes that we're never aware of. And those people deserve the honor of Christ because they're committed to the gospel. So I just encourage you this week to just be thinking about the Timothys and Epaphroditus's. And I would encourage you also, if you're thinking, you know, how can I how can I be involved? What can I do? There's always Timothy and Epaphroditus roles. There are Paul roles. There are many different roles in the church. Um, not all of them are, are glamorous, 
but all of them are gospel.